0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Lake Home Church. If you are visiting with us, honored to have you as our guest today. And thank you for being here. As already has been said, we are in a series called Beyond. Today is Beyond Fear, and it's really the second half of the story that we did last week. And if you weren't here last week, please get online. You can find it anywhere and just look at that, because these two stories actually kind of go together. The idea of Beyond Fear and Beyond Fear. Chaos, chaos. So let me ask you a question uh, this morning. If, I, if you were to rank your fear, the fear in your life, how would you rank that? If it was a one, let's say you have no fear at all, you, you just go for it. Or your ten, where you don't move, fear has gotten you to a point to where you just can't move at all. So just think about that number. Think about where you are in between one fearless, and ten fearful all the time. Where would you put yourself in that wet number? Where would you be? All right, so last week, last week, we talked about, we left Jesus right here on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Remember, Jesus kind of had grabbed His disciples. They got in a the boat. They actually went across to the other side. And remember, we talked about the other side. The other side is where the Decapolis is. The other side is where the Gentiles are. The other side is not where these disciples wanted to be. And as they got out there on the sea, what happened when they were out there on the sea? In the evening, remember, in the evening, in the middle of the sea, what happens? A storm comes up, and Jesus is what? He's asleep. He's asleep. And they have to wake him. He says, quiet, be still. And the wind's hushed, and then they're terrified. And the next thing we know, Jesus is on the other side. He's on the other side. And as, I put the, as I've said every week, I want you to put yourself in the story. Find a character. Find people groups. Find somebody that you say, okay, this kind of represents me in this story. Who are you going to be in this story today? Okay, so the disciples have landed. The disciples have landed. We're on the other side. And remember, it was evening at that time. Can you just imagine? Can you just imagine when Jesus stills the storm? Everything goes away. There's not a cloud in the sky. Now it's night. It's taken a while to get over there, right? And what if a full moon is out? So that they can kind of see, but they can't really see. It's dark, but it's not dark. And the amazing thing that everything is gone and like the beauty of heaven opened when Jesus said, quiet, be still. And now let's think of it being night because it takes a little while to get from where they were to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And here they are. Here they are in this new place. This place none of them have ever been. This place none of them want to be. And they are in the Decapolis. They are in Gentile territory. They are exactly where the pigs are. And they know that. This is heathen territory. And they get this greeting. And here's the greeting that says this. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with... A chain. Now, note, note again, currently we are not in the same country. And so, burial practices and how they buried people, even from Gentiles to even the Jews, are totally different. And so, you've got totally different burial practices. These burial practices would be more like us. Cemeteries are located outside the ritual boundaries of the cities, grand monuments. You know, and humble tombs are there. They line the roadside, and many of these are called cities of the dead, cities of the dead. Our cemeteries that we have are mostly on the outskirts of our towns, somewhere out there. Not Mustang, it's right here in the middle of our town, because our town is 12 square miles. Thank you, Scott. But they would also spend lavishly on those tombs, they would spend lavishly. And unlike Jesus, Jesus, the tombs that they had were caves that were there for a long time, that families upon families would use those over and over and over. So listen to these words. This is the place where we find the demoniac. This is the place where we find the man coming at Jesus. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. This is a madman, right? This is a madman. Unlike anybody we have ever encountered probably in our own lives. I mean, he has strength. He cries out. He has been cutting himself with stones. Can you just imagine in the moonlight that you see this guy coming towards you? Can you imagine? The blood. Just the. His eyes and his strength and the chains that he has broken off and some of those chains are still hanging on to him. This demons, the demons that are within him want to strip him of his humanity. Let me ask you a question. How many of us have had demons in our life that also want to strip us of our humanity? How many of us may even still have those demons with inside of us that we're wrestling with. We're having a tough time with in our lives. There's things going on in our hearts that we don't quite understand ourselves. And we don't know how to get rid of those. It's like the demons have a hold of us in one area or two areas or maybe three or four areas in our lives and we just can't get rid of them. And if you're there, if you're there, prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. And if you're there, I want you to know that we have elders and ministers that would love to pray with you. But I also want you to know that we're not professionals. And if you need that type of help to get you help, then let us know we want to get you that help, and we want to help you on your journey. All right, so let's continue the story. Let's continue the story. Now, there's this encounter that Jesus is having with this demon-possessed man. Verse 6, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. The demons, from a distance, see Jesus. And they run to Him. Why? I mean, why? Why in the world, if you have demons and you knew that was Jesus, why would you go toward Him and not away from Him? Why would you fall at His feet and honor Him as you would your king? They knew who He was. They knew who He was, and yet they run toward Him and not away from Him, and they fall at His feet in worship him. They believe, and they are terrified. And Jesus and Jesus asked them their name. What is your name? These cries from the tomb, these cries from the tomb, and he says, Legion, we are many. Listen to this verse. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Now, we're in enemy territory. We're in heathen territory, according to the Jews. We're in a place we shouldn't be, and this demon is named Legion. When you think of Legion, you're in Roman territory, Gentile territory. What are you thinking about? You're thinking about probably a legion of Roman soldiers. Likely, a legion legion was typically 6,000 soldiers and 120 horsemen. Six thousand so- soldiers, 120 horsemen. This was more like all the men and men who, who Rome had stationed around Galilee and Jerusalem at that time. And so all of them are all around there, the horsemen and, and, and all the soldiers there, trying to keep everything intact. These number of demons, you could see why it would drive anybody crazy to have that many demons in your life, right? to have that many demons. Again, the respect of these demons. Again, the respect of calling Him the Son of God, knowing that even some, they know it before even His disciples probably know it for sure, that He is the Son of God. And here's this man who's been cutting himself, who is out of his mind. What is it in man's life? What is it in our life that has possessed us To keep us from falling at Jesus' feet. Please hear me about this. Whatever was going on with that demon, whatever was happening in his life, Jesus didn't care about his past. Did you get that? It's very significant. Jesus didn't care about his past. He didn't ask about, what kind of demons do you have? What's going on with your heart? What's going on with your life? It didn't matter to Jesus. Jesus knew that this man needed to be healed. Jesus knew that this man needed help. Jesus knew that this man was worthy of salvation. This man needed his help. Do we believe that everybody in this world deserves The salvation of God? Because I wonder sometimes if all of us have a list of those people, those people, they shouldn't be on the list. There should be no room for salvation for their souls. And Jesus heals a man with demons, many demons within sight of him. They are afraid, of course. The power of the one who holds the world in his hand, who created the world, he has the power to let that go, to help them, and to do that with just a word, just a word, and they would obey him. But they didn't leave immediately when he had told them to leave. He said, no, get out of here. And they're they're like, wait, 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 wait. Can 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 we strike a deal here? Can we just strike a deal here? This would be, this would, can you help us out here, Jesus? We need your help. So, they desire an out, because they don't want to go back where? They don't want to go back to the abyss. They don't want to go back to where they were before. They like this place. This place is great. We get to do whatever we want to with this guy. We get to have our freedom. And so, Jesus says, yeah, I can see you somewhere. And he looks around and They go, hey, how about you send us there? And there's 2,000 pigs. 2,000 pigs. Listen to this. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. Do you know? Do you know what bore the image of a pig in that region at the time of Jesus? Do you know? It was the standard of the 10th Roman Legion. The symbol of the wild boar was there in that town. It was around there. That whole legion uh, of soldiers. And the legion of soldiers, again, was 6,000 men and 120,000 horsemen. And we know that the fact is, is that this 10th Roman legion was there in 6 B.C. In 6 B.C., the soldiers were often split up, though, into battalions. Would you, have, would you guess how many are in a battalion, usually? 2,000. 2,000. 2,000 are in a battalion. And even Rome, even Rome is no match for the power of God. Okay, the picture I showed last week is the picture I'm going to show this week. This is where I was standing on the Sea of Galilee not too many, about a month ago. And the reason we were standing here is because this is the only cliff, the only cliff on the Sea of Galilee. It's the only place where 2,000 pigs could have rushed down and fallen into the Sea of Galilee. And it's right here on the east side of Galilee, exactly on the other side that we're talking about right here. This is the only place it could have been, where they actually fell down that cliff and went into this watery grave that they had. And what was the reaction of the people? When all that happened, when God's power comes and releases this man, and everything's released from him, and he is, he is now free, he is now free, what's the reaction? Because all the pigs have gone off this cliff, what's the reaction to the people? Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave the region as Jesus was getting into the boat. Stop right there. The people plead with Jesus, get Out of here. Yes, we're a witness to a miracle. Yes, we see what you've done to them, but that doesn't help us a lot because we are going to choose empire over shalom. We are going to choose treasure over the restoration of this man. We're going to choose our wealth over others. And the question is: Is which one's more important to us? Which one's more important to us? Empire or bringing peace? Treasures or the healing and restoration of people? And I feel like many times we're more often concerned about ourselves and our possessions and our treasures in our desires, in the healing of individual souls. Our pursuit of happiness many times is most important to us. Our pursuit of a great life, our pursuit of having it the way we want. Leave, Jesus. Leave, Jesus, just leave. Please, do not disturb our souls. Do not disturb our souls. We'd rather you just get out of the area and go, but please do not disturb our souls. I'd rather you not take control of the little demons in my life. I'd rather you just leave. Let me ask you a question at this point. In all this story, in all this story, who's missing from the story? Who's missing from the story? Think about it. Who's not here? And details matter. Details matter. Who's not here? Who's missing from the story? In every version, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the apostles do not get out of the boat. They do not get out of the boat. If you don't believe me, read the stories again. Details matter. They never get out of the boat. It says that Jesus gets out of the boat, and Jesus gets back into the boat. They are not even in this story. They're not even in this story. Please do not assume, well, probably, maybe, details matter. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke have none of them in this story. They are paralyzed with fear in the boat. Paralyzed with fear in the boat. And At the beginning of the story last week, Jesus, what do you have to do? He had to take them and said, you are going to get in the boat. We are going to the other side. And they're going, I don't want to go. I don't want to go over there. I don't want to go to that destination. I don't want to go over there to the side of Galilee, to to that place of the Sea of Galilee where all those heathens are. I don't want to go. And yet, our Savior gets out of the boat. He gets out of the boat and he's the only one who's there talking to the demons. The apostles are stuck in the boat. Why? Why? We can't do it. We can't do it. Or maybe we won't do it. We won't do it. We're afraid. We're prejudiced. We're prejudiced. We should not be here. Our God is a God for Israel and not for everybody. Have we ever said the same things? I can't do it. I won't do it. I'm afraid. I'm prejudiced. I should not and do not want to be here. Their fears, their fears went to the very fabric of their being. God came to the Jews He came to the Jews and not to these heathens. He chose us, not them. He refused, they refused to get out of the boat. They refused to move. And since we're placing ourselves in the story, where would we be? Since we're placing ourselves in the story, where would we be? Would I have gotten out of the boat? No, not my earlier days of ministry. No way. I had a sense of rightness and wrongness placed in me by my parents. If I'm a Jew, this goes against everything I have been taught. You're asking me to think beyond my spiritual upbringing, is what Jesus is doing. You're asking me to think about beyond my spiritual upbringing. You're asking me to assess the foundation of my faith for which I have been taught all my life. There's no room for space in my faith formation. There's no room in my life. I don't want to get out of the boat. I don't want to get out of the boat. I might be wrong, but I... And that's the way I felt. Man, I felt that. And Jesus is asking us, who are immovable many times, He's asking us to expand our minds to other possibilities of God's love for those people. For those people. The people we ignore. The people we castigate. And many times our fear and prejudices will not permit us to move, right? Our fear causes us to freeze. Our stress, worry, biases, anxieties overtake us to the point to where we just get stuck. We get stuck. And just like the disciples, we don't want to move. We are comfortable and happy in our little bubble. We don't want to get out of the boat. But what if? What if? What if Jesus seized all of us by the back of our neck and said, let's go. Get in the boat. Would we? Would we? I said this before, and this is a little side note. There are 33,000 different denominations in our world today, 33,000. Each of them claiming a truth of their own. Each of them looking at their, their faith and believing that they are right. And saying, and what they're saying is, is that, that 32,299 of them out there are wrong. In Lake Homa family, we must not let our fears... Keep us from seeking God, from asking questions and struggling with the text. Wrestling with the text is paramount. It's paramount to strengthening one's own faith. Our fear that we may not have all the answers limits us. It limits us from grappling with the text. It's easier for us to say, you know, we're right. We're right, because that way we don't even have to think. We don't even have to think. Without the struggle, we do not search. Without the struggle, we do not seek. And without the struggle, we do not learn. This book we delve into each week is living and it is active. It is living and it is active. Jesus is asking these men to struggle with their upbringing. To struggle with their context, to struggle with the text and their biases, You are not the only ones," he's saying to them. "You're not the only ones whom salvation, to whom salvation is coming." And in Hosea chapter 2, verse 23, he says, "I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called not my people, us." I will show that love to those I will call not my people, us. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. I love Lake Homa. I love it. Why? Because this is a place you can ask the difficult questions and share thoughts without judgment. I'm told in the past, I never experienced it. Told in the past there were loud discussions, even disagreements during class sessions. Man, right? Any of y'all been there many years ago? But I'm also told that at the end of every class, after their discussions, which kind of got heated, that they would all grab hands. They would pray together and bear with one another in love and and they were eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And we need to remember this about Jesus' ministry. You need to remember this. There have always been outsiders following Jesus. At the beginning of his ministry, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 25, we read this large crowds from the Galilee, the Decapolis, that's where we are now, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed Him. There have always been people who were not Jewish, who were following Jesus. And Jesus, take this one demon-released Demon-released individual and turns him loose to tell his story. He gives the formerly, this former demoniac man a mission and tells him to tell everyone who will listen. Listen to this verse. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him. He said, go home to your own people and let them and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. What happened? Do you know what happened when Jesus told the same thing when he healed people in the book of Mark? You know what he said to them? He said to them, see that you do not tell anybody. That's what he said. But here, here in Gentile territory, he says, go, tell this Demon-released man is now tasked, is now tasked with spreading the good news of that which he encountered. And he does so. And even though Jesus gets back in the boat, he's not through with these guys. Not through with his disciples. In the days to come, Jesus will take his disciples to the place of Samaria where to have a discussion with this Syrophoenician woman. He will then take them to the gates of hell in Caesarea Philippi, which was considered the most demonous place in all the face of the earth at that time. And they will pronounce and say, you are the Christ. And upon this rock, Jesus said, I will build my church. And then he will return. Jesus will return to this area, to the capitalists. He will return right here. And when he's here, 4,000 people. Men, it says, not counting the women and children, will show up and be fed by Jesus. And His disciples at that time are with Him. They're with Him. They join Him. Every one of us, every one of us have a story to tell. Every one of us can tell our story and we can tell the story of Jesus. It's what we need to do. So how do we move beyond fear? get out of the boat, that's the first thing. Maybe the hardest step you ever take, but you got to get out of the boat. If you remember to keep your eyes on Jesus, it's probably the best thing you can do, is get out of the boat, and then once you're out, put one foot in front of the other and move toward Him. You guys are going to be fear. Yes, but remember, he's got you. Remember, he's here for us. Remember, you have a spirit and power inside of you. I leave you with this verse just to think about. Before I read that verse, I want you to know one thing. The demoniac, (laughs) we don't know his name, but I guarantee you, it wasn't demoniac anymore. That was gone. He has a new name, a new name. It's the name we all carry with us. It's the name of Jesus Christ. We have that within us to help us with our fear. Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 38. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when He comes in His Father's glory with His holy angels." There's our marching orders. Are we ready? Will we get out of the boat? Will we be the ones that stand up and say, I'm ready, Jesus? Here I am. Send me. Let's stand and sing.